we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, welcome to episode 20 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here as always with Adam Kersenblatt, and with the first round of the WHL playoffs now in full swing, in this episode we'll take you through the latest headlines from around the league, check in on the WHL's Game of the Week, go through our three stars of the week, look at the San Jose Sharks as our NHL Team of the Week, and then we'll wrap up with yet another action-packed Cotter Radard report. So we'll uh, dive right in. Here's Adam with your headlines. So we'll start out in uh, Moose Jaw with the Warriors, and that is that all four players have returned from suspension. So Connor Unger, Max uh, Weiner, Lyndon uh, Lakovic, and Merrick Howell played in both games for the Moose Jaw Warriors against the Lethbridge Hurricanes this past weekend. Um, the WHO did not release a statement before they were activated from the suspension list, so no new information is available. Uh, part of the reinstatement process was the players had to participate in personal conduct and respect training so as they have been reinstated, they must have completed uh, um, this training. And that's really all that we know at the moment. Um, yeah, for sure. Having those four players back has been uh, a big boost to Moose Jaw and their performance in the uh, first two games of their series. We'll get into that a little bit more. But for now, suffice to say that, uh, that they've had a, a significant impact in their return. Uh, now let's take a look at the WHL injury list. So, unfortunately, the WHL doesn't provide a full injury list, but what we know is that top prospect Zach Benson of the Winnipeg Ice is still not ready to return to action. Um, he hasn't played since March 10th when he was hit from behind into the boards in a game against the Edmonton Oil Kings. And this is one of those situations where we'll really know on game day or right before a game when the rosters are released and the game has started. So this is definitely something to watch if you're a Winnipeg Ice fan. Maybe not necessarily in the first round, but definitely as the playoffs progress. Yeah, we're recording on Tuesday, and so far Winnipeg is up 2-0 in their series and doesn't seem to be having any real issues rolling along. But um, it is a little bit surprising because it certainly seemed like the scuttlebutt heading into the playoffs was that uh, Benson was expected to be ready for game one. And I'm sure as a draft-eligible player, he must be itching to get out there and show what he can do and uh, raise his draft stock in front of the scouts that will be watching as the, as the playoffs roll along. So the Benson situation is one that uh, we will continue to monitor. Um, now we're going to turn over to the uh, business affairs side of the league. Yes, yeah, so the WHL announced their divisional nominees for the business award uh, this season. So Kamloops Blazers for the uh, BC division, Spokane Chiefs the US division, Saskatoon Blades for the East division, and the Edmonton Oil Kings for the Central division. So these awards are given out to the WHL 
WHO club that best exemplifies giving back to the community and producing an electrifying game day experience for the fans. So this award will be announced the first week of May when the rest of the WHL awards are given out. So it's nice to see the WHL recognizing these franchises. You know, you look at Kamloops, one of the top teams in the league, and Edmonton, one of the bottom teams in the league. So it really shows that regardless of where you are in the standings, these WHL clubs are putting in the time and effort to connect with the community and really create this bond. Yeah, a lot of this, I think, comes down to ticket sales as well and uh, and outreach. Um, I saw mention of, you know, some of the theme nights and such that that um, that clubs were putting on and uh, the the increases in the fan base, obviously, are a key element. Not surprising to see Kamloops there, really, given uh, their status as the Memorial Cup hosts, because you really have to show yourself to be the best of the best if you're going to be, uh, you know, given the honor of uh, of of hosting the Memorial Cup. I was just reading a, a piece from the Moj about that, uh, talking to Kamloops owner Tom Gillardi and uh, sort of the 10 the day festival that they're basically planning to have in Kamloops in late May and early June. So it's going to be a real community oriented event and uh, really sort of cap off of a very good year that they've had in terms of, uh, you know, the WHL team as a business. So uh, love to see that. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, oh, just a, a rundown of uh, of the playoff series so far. So yes, we're recording here on Tuesday. So eight or six of the eight series have played at least uh, two games. Uh, two of them have played three. So six of the eight series have started two and zero. Oh. So when we look at that compared to last year, um, only one team came back after falling behind two and zero oh in a series, and that was Seattle against Port the Portland Winterhawks in the second round. So a little bit of important context. It's not like the NHL where teams come back more frequently when they're down 2-0 in the WHL. It really is. It, it's kind of a, um, a solidifying point if you go up 2-0 in the series uh, once it heads to game three. Yeah, the other thing I noticed looking at last year's trend is that um, there was only one upset in the first round, and that was Vancouver taking out Everett in six games. Um, but those two teams split the first two games of their series, so that was not a uh, 0-2 situation. Obviously, this year we've got one underdog that has managed to take an 0-2 lead and uh, or a 2-0 lead and uh, win both of their road games before going home. But uh, We'll we'll save the chatter on that for a little bit later because uh, if you haven't heard, it's a pretty good story. Uh, next up, let's take a look at our WHL game of the week. Which one did you choose for us? Yeah, so um, we are going to look at the Moose Jaw Warriors versus the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Their game one on Friday, March thirtieth. So, as the WHL kicked off their first night of the postseason, fans in Moose Jaw were treated to an absolute ca uh, classic as uh, Jagger Ferkus scored the game winner with 17 seconds left in the second overtime to give the Warriors the 2-1 home ice win. Uh, the two teams combined for three goals on 105 shots as goaltenders Connor Unger and Brian Thompson put on a show. Um, the only scoring in regulation came in the second period. Moostraw took a 1-0 lead before Cole Shepard seized the shorthanded opportunity to tie uh, the game for Lethbridge at 12.04 of the second. After that, fans watched more than 47 minutes of scoreless hockey before Ferkus ended the night. Um, on the night, though, Ferkus had a goal and an assist. The assist was a primary, and overall, this game lasted four hours and three minutes. So 
some pretty exciting hockey to uh, kick off the WHL playoffs. For sure. Um, Fergus's game winner also came on the power play um, towards the end of that second overtime period with Joe Arntzen in the box for Lethbridge on a boarding call. It was the third penalty that was called during the overtime session. So uh, interesting to see that the WHL officials are not shy about handing out those uh, man advantage opportunities and sudden death, which is something that we don't necessarily see all that much in the uh, in the NHL. Um, there were certainly a few other uh, good games on the weekend as well. I was, uh, when I was at the uh, Canucks game on Sunday, I was glued to my phone watching the back and forth between Regina and Saskatoon in the, uh, in the only game on Sunday. That was uh, amazing to follow, but uh, lots more. I think there's six games on the docket here for Tuesday night. So by the time you see this on Wednesday or beyond, uh, you'll already know how that'll have all turned out and uh, we'll be a little bit farther along the road, but uh Nothing, nothing too close to fruition yet, as far except for uh, Portland being up three nothing on uh, on Everett so far. Uh, next up, let's turn to our three stars of the week. Uh, third star, we go to the powerhouse Seattle Thunderbirds. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna look at Dylan Gunther uh, as our third star of the week. The Arizona Coyotes first rounder from 2021 started the playoffs off strong, recording two goals and assist in game one followed by an assist in Game 2 versus the Kelowna Rockets. He also recorded 18 shots on goal during the two games, which ranks first across the WHL. Even though some teams have already played three games, he still has more shots on goal than anybody in the league. Uh, his three-point performance in Game 1 was crucial as it helped the Thunderbirds come back from a 2-0 deficit late in the second and win the game 3-2. And as for that series, Seattle now leads that 2-0 as the series shifts to Kelowna. Uh, yeah, and I was I was at the Canucks game on Friday night as well against Calgary, watching that uh, two nothing lead for Kelowna turn into a three two win for Seattle as the Thunderbirds uh, took a little bit of time to get going. But uh, Gunther's three point performance obviously was crucial in earning them that first win and uh, setting them on their road to trying to live up to that uh, sweet prediction that you made for them. Uh, second star also comes from a team that you predicted to sweep the Winnipeg Ice, and that would be Matthew Savoy. Yes, yeah, so Matthew Savoy, the Sabres' fir first round pick from 2022, showed just how dangerous he can be, recording a hat trick plus an assist in game one, and then a goal and three assists in game two against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Impressively, he also went 20 for 36 in the faceoff dot, which equals up to 55.6%, and finished the two games with eight shots on goal. Now, an interesting fact about the series, despite winning both games, Winnipeg has actually been outshot in each of the two contests. So his performance really is crucial to the fact that Winnipeg has gone up to nothing in this series. Yeah, and so even though Winnipeg was predicted to be a heavy favorite in this series, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to dominate as the uh, as the scene shifts to uh, Medicine Hat, as you mentioned, with the Tigers putting up a pretty good fight so far. Uh, first star of the week, uh, the team that we've already talked about a little bit today, stars on the ice, off the ice, the Kamloops Blazers and Logan Stankoven. Yes, yeah, so Logan Stankoven, um, we have talked about him plenty on this podcast and around the hockey world. So after posting 31 points in 17 games during last year's playoff, Stankoven is already just over 25% of the way to matching that total after two games in this postseason. <laughs> the Dallas Stars Great. prospect recorded a hat trick plus two assists in game one, and followed it up with a three assist night in game two against the Vancouver Giants. 
He also won an incredible 70.6% of his faceoffs going 24 for 34 in the dot and directed 10 shots on net. He continues to show why he is one of the most dangerous players in the WHL as he gets set for a crack at the Memorial Cup later in May with the Kamloops Blazers. Um, fantastic. Yeah, the Blazers really uh, flex their muscles on poor Vancouver over those first two games. Uh, again, it'll be interesting to see what happens as the scene sets with game three in, uh, in Vancouver on Tuesday night. And then uh, you'll be at game four on Thursday, right? Yes, correct. Um, so we'll get a uh, firsthand viewpoint on that when we uh, reconvene here next week to take it through all the latest. Uh, next up, we will turn to our NHL team of the week. This week, uh, we're staying in the Pacific Division, getting close to the bottom uh, with the San Jose Sharks. That would be the bottom alphabetically, by the way, not the bottom in terms of points necessarily. <laughs> well, San Jose, you know, in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. So we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks there. But we're going to start with uh, Gannon LaRock, a defenseman out of the Victoria Royals program. So listed at six foot two, 201 pounds, the right shot defenseman was drafted in the fourth round in 2021, 103rd overall. So this is a player that the Sharks really like because he's already been signed and he actually played three games for the Barracuda last year in the AHL. Unfortunately, though, this year he's been limited by injuries to just four games for the Royals. Um, but when he is healthy, he's a number one defenseman at the WHL level. And it will be interesting to see if San Jose decides to send him back to the WHL for his 20 year old season because he missed virtually the entire season, or if they feel like moving him up to the AHL so he can play against tougher competition is the right move. Yeah, I guess the first thing that the Sharks organization is going to have to deal with with LaRock is, is getting him healthy. Um, he had 52 points in the dub in his draft plus one year and was named Victoria's captain last summer, but he didn't play his first of those four games uh, this season until January due to a lower body injury that he suffered during the off season. He did have five points in those four games, but his return was, was quite short lived obviously. And the Royals didn't really offer any clarity about his injury status. He was just sort of day to day for the rest of the year and they didn't really give any sort of indication of, of what was wrong with him or any kind of timeline. So um, there's a bit of mystery surrounding where he's at and what his future, his future is. So first and foremost, here's hoping that uh, Laroc gets healthy this summer and is ready to put in a full season of action, go to the Sharks development camp and, uh, and their, and their rookie camp and uh, get back on track, I guess, as, um, as, as his career um, sort of winds to the pro level and, and put these difficulties behind him. Yes. So hopefully the best for Laroc. I really enjoy watching him play, and I know that sometimes he hits that 30-minute mark. So he is a very important uh, defender for that Victoria Royals team and one of the big reasons why they missed out on the playoffs, unfortunately, this year. But what we'll do is we'll shift uh, gears over to the Winnipeg Ice and goaltender Mason Bopit. So listed at six foot five, 185 pounds, uh, he was drafted in the fourth round in 2022. Um, 108th overall. Another 19-year-old who could be back in the WHL for one final season next year, the now Winnipeg Ice goaltender who was originally playing for Spok the Spokane Chiefs before being traded, hasn't had the strongest season and has become the backup behind Daniel Hauser in Winnipeg. So this year in 22 games with the Ice, he posted a 16-5 record but had a save percentage of 892. Um, 
if he does return to the WHL next year, though, this will be an interesting situation to watch because teams may try to acquire him or sign him uh, after the release, uh, after he gets released or traded by Winnipeg, because the ice actually have 10 other players who are listed as 2003s. And as we know, you're only allowed three overagers. So this will be an interesting um, player to watch as we get closer to uh, training camp and the regular season next year. Yeah, it makes sense that Winnipeg is loaded up with older players as they take the run for the championship, but uh, they're going to have to divest some of those guys in one form or another before uh, before next season begins. Um, Bo Pitt was one of the oldest players selected in the 2022 draft. He has a September 23rd birthday, so only a week or so after the uh, after the cutoff from one year to the next. Um, his numbers in Spokane weren't great in his draft year either. He had an 892 save percentage there as well, but he does have that magical stat line of height at six foot five. It's understandable that an NHL team would, would want to take a chance on him. And uh, with the long development curve that a lot of goalies go through, it's understandable that the Sharks um, believe that there might be a chance that he can grow into that big body and, uh, and, and bring his game up to the, uh, to the NHL level going forward. So uh, we'll see if Bopic gets any playoff action and uh, see how the Sharks handle him going forward. Uh, the Barracuda or the, the Sharks organization also has, is pretty rich with uh, former WHL players that have played at the AHL level this year with the, with the San Jose Barracuda. Yes. Yeah, so at the moment, there are six AHLers who have gone into games for the Barracuda this season and played in the WHL. So we're looking at players like Portland Winterhawks legend and former CHL defenseman of the year, Derek Pouliot. Um, Tristan Robbins, who used to play for the Saskatoon Blades. And Ozzy Weisblatt, who helped the Prince Albert Raiders to the Memorial Cup in the 2019 season. So plenty of former top WHL talent in that Barracuda lineup this year. Uh, and there's two dub alums on the current Sharks roster as well. Forward Noah Greger, who played with the Moose Jaw Warriors, and goalie James Reimer, who's a uh, an alum of the Red Deer Rebels. Um, at the NHL level, the Sharks have also had plenty of WHL talent through their history. That list includes, of course, former Seattle Thunderbirds legend Patrick Marlowe, who is also a legendary Shark, along with a uh, more short-lived Shark Evander Kane from the Vancouver Giants. Uh, Martin Jones, who played for the Calgary Hitmen and was the CHL Memorial Cup Most Outstanding Goaltender in 2010. And uh, former Sharks GM Doug Wilson has an in interesting history as well. Um, he played for a team called the Winnipeg Clubs in 1973-74 when the league was called the WCHL uh, and also played defense for the, uh, the Sharks when they first expanded in the early 90s before moving over to the executive chair once his playing days were over so uh wilson had a long tenure both with the uh um the the playing side of his game and on the uh on the management side as well uh so that's the sharks and now we come to my favorite segment of the week the uh the connor bedard update and uh once again the captain of the regina fats uh has not disappointed in his first two playoff games yeah, so Connor Bedard has continued his regular season dominance into the playoffs. So in game one, he posted two goals and one assist in a 6-1 victory. While in game two, he recorded a hat trick and two assists in a 6-5 overtime victory for Regina. 
Now, this is important because Regina is the sixth seed, and they now hold a 2-0 series lead over the Saskatoon Blades, who are the third seed, as they also come home to Regina to play in front of fans over the next few games. So this was one of those series where I said the Saskatoon Blades were going to win, um, but I I guess I'm... I'm kind of happy that Connor Bedard has proven me wrong and put the team on his back because I would have been very disappointed if we only got to see him for, you know, five or six games in this playoffs. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm starting to feel like uh, my, I have a catchphrase in uh, my uh, my WH my WHL playoffs are better with Connor Bedard in them, and uh, I'm glad that he has embraced my embraced my thinking and uh, tried to make sure that he's going to be around for uh, for as long as possible. And as I mentioned earlier, I feel like that that game too, that six five OT win, really could have been probably the runner-up for our game of the week, a serious contender. It was the only game on the schedule on Sunday, and it was a, a back-and-forth affair where Regina jumped out to a 2-0 lead, then Saskatoon battled back to tie, then the teams traded goals 3-2, 3-3, 4-3, et cetera, et cetera. And with eight minutes, eight minutes into the third, the Blades took a 5-4 lead. That was their first lead of the game, and I was like, oh, no, it's not going to happen. It's not The miracle is not going to happen. As I mentioned, I was at the uh, at the Canucks game, so I turned to the uh, the writer that was sitting next to me in the press box, and I was like, "Well, I guess this just sets up Connor Bedard to score the tying goal, and then they can win it in overtime, and that'll be pretty thrilling." And uh, he laughed, and then it happened. <laughs> um, Bedard did indeed get the uh, uh, tying goal just oh, barely two minutes after the the Pats fell behind, and that was his fifth point of the game. And uh, I guess maybe the only surprise was that he was not in on the scoring on the overtime winner. That was uh, your boy, Zach Stringer, who uh, came through in the clutch. And that was another one where uh, it was a power play situation. Uh, Con Connor Roulette from Saskatoon was in the penalty box serving a tripping minor when uh, when Stringer ended that game and and gave the Pats their 2-0 uh, their, their leads. So, um Bedard has eight points now in two games and his five goals lead the WHL playoffs. He's tied with Logan Stankoven in points, um, but he is not leading the whole CHL playoffs. Um, Brent Clark has 11 points for the Barry Colts already, and he's a defenseman, um, but he has played three games. So the uh, two points per game by Bedard and Stankoven is actually higher than than Brent Clark's uh, 11 and three. So we can hang our hat and hat on that no is that even true i don't even know that's not true never mind disregard uh 11 points in three games would be like three and a half points a game almost a little over that um the early scoring leaders in the qmjhl through monday's games um as well are uh, two names that we recognize from world juniors zach dean and riley kidney they both play for gatineau and they have seven points in two games so far um, as you mentioned, you picked Saskatoon to win this series, but you did pick them in six. So uh, it's not out of the question yet that that might happen. Uh, do you see Saskatoon sweeping the next four games or what do you think is going to happen in the rest of the series? So, yeah, so I, I don't you know. This is really Saskatoon is a good team. Like they have a lot of talent, but I just, I don't see them winning four straight because there are parts of their game that are really, that have been kind of concerning, especially with in goal. Um, but this is the WHL. So if they really focus and shut down Connor Bedard, it, it's possible. Like 
we've seen teams go down two nothing in four straight like Seattle last year against Portland. So I'm not I'm gonna say Saskatoon wins it, it will be in seven, but I just have a feeling that Bedard is going to be able to win two games on his own, just based off two more games on his own, just based off of what we saw in game one and game two. Um, interesting. I'm thinking back on the regular season. I remember there was one game in Saskatoon shortly after world juniors where I think the, um, Regina was behind early and Bedard came back in the third period and had a monster night and pretty much put the team on his back and won the game and got a whole ton of points. But then there were the other games against Saskatoon later in the season where, like you say, the blades were able to shut him down. And, um, so there's a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde thing there. If you want to try and go by past history, you know, maybe game two was the game where he, you know, really, really worked his magic. And, you know, even for Bedard, it's unrealistic to expect that he's going to just like roll out multiple five point nights in one playoff series. But again, if he proves me wrong, I will be more than happy to watch that and celebrate it. I love it. Um, but uh Saskatoon has been a solid defensive team all year. They have structure. Their coach has a little bit of time to uh, kind of reset and, and get his messages into place. Um, and we'll find out pretty soon whether or not he can lock everything in. Because, uh, again, by the time you listen to this, you will already know some of what we're talking about. Because uh, Game 3 in Regina is on Tuesday night and Game 4 is going to go on Wednesday. So at least one of those games will be in the books by the time you listen to this pod. Now, the other predictions of yours that we need to keep an eye on at this point is uh, Moose Jaw Lethbridge. You called for a seven-game win for Lethbridge, but that was before we knew the status of those four sus- suspended players for Moose Jaw coming back. Um, the seven-game win for Lethbridge is certainly still a possibility, even though Moose Jaw is up to nothing. Uh, do you still think that, uh, that, that Lethbridge is going to find a way to come back in that series? I think that the addition of the suspended players is just going to be too much for Lethbridge to handle. I don't think that... We're going to see a sweep from Moose Jaw. I think that this is a possible five-game uh, situation, kind of like how I see Saskatoon and Regina. I don't see teams winning more than two games in a row. Um, but like when you get your starting goaltender back, when you get one of your top defensemen back, and then two depth pieces back, it really changes the whole dynamic of the series. Uh, you look at you know NHL history, how many of those series would have been different if they're if they got back players via injury or whatever situation Um, over the years, it's always one team crashes out of the playoffs because of injuries. So while we did know that this was a possibility that Musha could get back the players um, because we didn't hear any information out of the WHL or Musha, it was really hard to predict that this series. So that's why also Lethbridge and seven made sense. But now, like I said, that everybody is back and that they're playing at at their top speed, basically, it's really hard. Series going past six games with uh, Moose Jaw winning. Um, and I guess the only other thing that's a little bit of a surprise, maybe, is seeing um, Red Deer and Calgary tied at one-one. I think that you thought that the Rebels were going to be pretty dominant in that series. So, what are your thoughts on that one so far? This is a very odd series because it's kind of like the Vancouver Giants versus Everett series last year where I think Calgary they have good players in place they have a good system in place but so that's why they were able to win against Red Deer like I think also Red Deer may have taken them a little bit too lightly 
at the beginning, and that's why they're tied up at one. But um, this is a series that is going to be really tough on both teams. It's gonna it's gonna be very physical, and it depends on really what goaltender is going to step up here. Uh, Calgary's gotten great goaltending all year. Moose Jaw, or sorry, Red Deer, a little bit more of a question mark. Their goaltending has been good, but they've been on a rotation. Um, so I really think that this is a series that we could see going seven games, um, not based off, not just based off the fact of how the first two games have been split, but kind of looking at how both teams match up. They match up really well against each other. Uh, overall, like in play style and physicality and just when you look at when you break it down, this could be a series that maybe we didn't think was going to go the distance and be an exciting series, but it really could be. Um, and I guess in terms of uh, your own viewing schedule for this week, um, even though Kamloops has really dominated the Giants over the first two games, uh, do you expect that pattern to continue or uh, do you think that Vancouver will be able to, uh, to, to show some pushback in these home games over the next couple of days? Well, this is an interesting uh, trend to watch, and that is going to be across the WHL. When teams are up 2-0 or 3-0 in certain cases like in Portland, do you kind of sit back a little bit and and give the other team not give the other team a win but instead of winning 6-1 you win 2-1 or 3-2 and you like you're not playing at 100% um because you still have those three games if you lose one you still have three games to clinch so i do think that while Kamloops is a good team i don't I, I like this Vancouver Giants team is just they, they have a good structure and they play you know that they're going to play hard till the very end this is a really heated series that has already uh involved multiple players getting misconducts uh and I just don't see a situation where Vancouver gets swept especially at home uh and we all know what Jesper Weichmann can do in goal he was the BC goaltender of the year uh on the on their first all-star team this year so they're just too good to get swept in the end, uh, I feel like. Um, fair enough. And that sort of speaks to the old hockey cliche about the uh, the fourth game always being the hardest to win. And like you say, whether that's about um, the desperation of the team that's uh, on the cusp of being eliminated or the team with the lead, maybe taking their foot off the gas a bit, as you say. Um, you know, that's why we play the games. And just because you win two doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win every game going forward. So uh, yeah, hopefully Vancouver will be able to uh, show some some gusto and uh, and extend their series a little bit. This is where things get fun over the next few days as we see what these teams are made of and uh, and which teams are going to move on to the uh, to the second round of the playoffs. Um, so that's our show for this week. That wraps up uh, everything that we have for you. As always, thank you for listening. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to this TSN on the Dub podcast on your favorite platform. We have our, our own independent feed now. So uh, we appreciate all the subscriptions that we've gotten and uh, would be happy to have you subscribe with us as well. To check out any past episodes of the show, including a, a full rundown of Adam's predictions from last week before the playoffs started, you can find all of that and all the other pods in the THN podcast family at the, uh, thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Thanks again. We really appreciate you listening. Enjoy the games. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.